0: Hey there, future friends! This week, Hugo and Springsteen aren't the only bosses, and we learn that sometimes you really are your worst enemy. This is the week of March 5th, 2021, and you are listening to episode 194 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone, welcome to the show! So it is another week, thus a new episode. And I always used to joke about that, but now it's not always a sure thing, is it? And I am sorry about that. I I am sorry that I am not a little more reliable now. Though this is my fifth year doing this, or will be my fifth year. My fifth anniversary is coming up on, oh god, what date? The 17th of April? Um, we can find this out. Episode 1 of Future Flicks with Billiam came out on June 13th, 2016. I thought it was April. June 16th, 2016. So yeah, maybe my senioritis is a year late. Who knows? But anyway, we have a a show for you, and we have some interesting movies, and some of them may be very polarizing, Not, not for any big nefarious reason. Uh, just because movies we're talking about this week closer to the end of the show are Gemini Man with Will Smith and, like a boss, starring Tiffany Haddish, Rose Byrne, and Selma Hayek. And Tiffany Haddish is one of those actors, just like Melissa McCarthy, just like Seth Rogen, just like, hell, even Tom Cruise, but for him it's different reasons, that can really polarize people. Some really like them, some are just fully against it. That's a no, no, no from the get-go. But... Like I always mention, that is a benefit, too, because it tells you whether or not you should even give it a shot. But let us not dawdle any longer. Let me tell you what it is you're listening to. My friends and new future family member, Holly, welcome. Welcome to the show. Stay as long as you like. Feel free to answer the question of the week anytime. Just tell me at work. But yes, if you're new to the show, welcome. So let me tell you what it is we do here. And I always say we, but it's just me. On future flex with billiam and on the show we do a few things we always start out with a little introduction which is usually random maybe i tell you a little bit about my week sometimes but then we jump into the news and that's any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode the trailer trove which is any new trailers i've caught my eye since the last episode in both of those cases i ask you Yes, you, if you noticed a story or a trailer that I did not mention, please let me know and I will talk about it on the next show. Normally, when COVID isn't a thing, what we do is then we get into the movies coming out during the week. That's all movies, uh, streaming and in real live theaters, which were a thing once when I was young. But now, during COVID, I tell you what movies are coming out only on streaming, and then I talk about two movies available on streaming that i watched recently it's not always streaming Sometimes, sometimes it's a movie i own that i'm super stoked on but most of the time i try to make it so it's something on netflix hulu amazon prime or disney plus every once in a while we'll go somewhere else like hbo max but we try to stay to the main four and then we wrap it all up with a question of the week and then i send you along your way to the other great shows you may listen listen to like the other shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, that's the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast and Nerds of the Squared Circle, both of which have a bunch of episodes, old episodes you can listen to. There's the Watch A Mouth Podcast, great, great friends of the show, and uh, we're doing fine with Robbie and Lisa, also great friends of the show, and I hope I am equally a great friend of their show. But anyway, let us jump into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. It's just in from Hollywood, the news. Let's start with the icky, and the icky is that T.I. will not appear in Ant-Man 3. If you don't remember or you never heard, rapper turned actor, but still kind of a rapper, T.I. and his wife are currently facing allegations of sexual abuse and drugging by multiple women. Though Disney and Marvel have confirmed that T.I. is not returning for Ant-Man 3, they did add that he was never going to return, but we all know that if he was slated to return, they, they would kind of write him out now. Say what you will about cancel culture, but if this is true, then 100% deserves to be canceled. Director Spike Lee, this from Slash Film. director Spike Lee is working on a new docu-series, and this docu-series will be about the 20th anniversary of the Se- September 11th attacks and how New York has uh, grown since then, and also the effects of COVID-19 on New York. So it's, it's mainly just a New York documentary with a heavy focus on September 11th and a little bit of COVID-19. So that's going to be super happy. No set release date for that yet. But I did learn, and I'm super excited, that Spike Lee is going to direct... A movie based on a graphic novel I really liked called Prince of Cats. Prince of Cats is an 80s-themed reimagining of Romeo and Juliet, but following Tybalt as the main character. And it follows Tybalt from before Romeo and Juliet, ending at his death in Romeo and Juliet. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this story last week, because frankly I'm too lazy to listen to last week's episode, but... Uh, If I didn't mention it, actor for Actifer, (laughs) actor Christopher Plummer has passed away at the age of 91. He's best known for the sound of music. And also, if you were paying attention, this this story from Polygon, if you were paying attention to all that hubbub about what the subtitle for Spider-Man or the next Spider-Man movie was going to be we now officially know and i know that some people were still gun shy going oh are are, do we really know but yes it is now officially spider-man no way home if you weren't privy to it for uh, just a little while during the last week tom holland zendaya and jacob batalone were throwing around fake titles for the movie and i'm not sure if they were just having fun on their own or if it was a planned thing you know it was probably a planned thing thinking of uh how much Disney would want to make sure that it didn't accidentally get leaked. Because there still is a lot unknown about this movie, and I told you I would stop reporting on so much of it, because it's getting so confusing. Because for a while, we knew Doctor Strange was going to be in it, then he wasn't going to be in it, now he's in it again. Then Jamie Foxx and Alfred Molina were going to be in it, and then not be in it, and then be in it again. And then, apparently, it was confirmed that all the other Spider-People Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield, as well as Kristen Dunst as Mary Jane and Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy were returning. But then Tom Holland said, no, they're not in it, but they've been seen on set, but they weren't seen on set. I don't know anymore. And frankly, I, I don't care because I'm going to see this movie anyway, and I am stoked for it anyway. So whoever's in it, that's fine. I want to see this. And the fact that WandaVision is airing during all this sh- just adds to the confusion, because are we officially going to get the multiverse during WandaVision? Because it definitely hinted at that already, like a heavy handed hint. Oh, and that was actually in the next story I was going to talk about. I read first from UpRocks that Tom Holland still insists that former Spider-Man actors won't return. So yeah, I'm not sure anymore, though I am going to watch the next movie. Next up, this story from winteriscoming.net apparently is a website. No, the Big Hero 6 characters aren't joining the MCU. Because people thought this, I guess? Did, did people really think that? But if you heard that rumor and you were excited for it, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but it ain't happening. So now in the news, we turn our attention from Disney and Marvel that seem to move like The Flash, oddly enough, to DC, which seems to move at a snail's pace sometime, According to Sci-Fi Wire, Blue Beetle, DC's first Latino superhero, is finally getting a movie. Now, the movie was greenlit and announced two years ago and has not had any forward momentum. But now, apparently, according to The Wrap, actually, was the people that first uh, that first broke this story. Apparently, it is moving forward. So, according to The Wrap, there are reports that Angel Manuel Soto, director of the 2020 indie film Charm City Kings, has been helmed to or has been tapped to helm the film also reportedly the writer of the scarface remake and the movie miss bala gareth dunnett Alcoser, i think is how you say it is pending the script for this and this script will focus on the third blue beetle jamie reyes and my future friends if you missed the golden globes like a lot of us did chadwick boseman has won the golden globe for best actor And so unfortunately, when something like this happens, there's always a question, did they win because they died? There's a question with Heath Ledger, and I'm going to argue no. I'm also going to argue that yes, their death probably had something to do with it, but also their performances were stellar. But we all know how I feel about awards, award shows. They're all rigged, not rigged in the way you think, but rigged in the way that whoever has the most money to really push their movie wins the most awards normally. But I do think Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker was amazing, and I think Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was mind-blowing. He was amazing in it, and I still stand by what I said when I talked about this on the uh, when I talked about this on the show that Ma Rainey's Black Bottom as a movie was just a snippet of time. There really wasn't a plot besides Ma Rainey and her band trying to record an album. But what the movie delivered was a slice of life of what it was like for black musicians in, uh, during that time, and also giving us a vessel for two of the most amazing performances in a long time from Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman. And the final story, my future friends, isn't really a story. It's just something funny. The Xenomorphs from the Alien series are making their Marvel debut, not in the movie, but in the comic books with the release this month of Alien Number 1. So before anyone says anything, no, I doubt we're going to be seeing the Xenomorphs in the MCU anytime soon. Alright, future friends, two more stories. The first one from the playlist. And it's just something I want to touch on. Because I I realize when something like this happens, you realize who you want to follow and who you want to associate yourself with. So this story comes to us from the playlist. Bill Birds defending his former co-star Gina Carano after Mandalorian firing. He says it's fucking crazy times. He says and I quote, "It's a weird time. I don't know. I think there's just too many channels and then you got to do some sensational shit. I don't know what the fuck it is. I'm on that fucking show. Now I got to watch what the fuck I say. She was an absolute sweetheart. Super nice fucking person." And you know what, if she had apologized, or if she had come forward saying, you know what, I'm sorry, I was misinterpreted, or maybe I just chose the wrong words, or if she said something other than doubling down on the stupid shit she said, then maybe if she did that, maybe I would be on Bill's Burr's side with this one. Because we have to allow people to make who make mistakes, we have to allow them to learn from their mistakes, apologize, and make it right. But with her, she never tries to make it right. Reportedly, when she was talking to Disney behind clo- in a closed doors meeting, she doubled down on that shit, insinuating that being a conservative in these, these days is like being a Jew during the Holocaust. Are you f**king kidding me? Mocked people's preferred pronouns, mocked safety measures during a pandemic, and you know what? She is exercising her free speech. She said that shit. but then Disney is also exercising their right as a company, not a government organization, to say, you know what? F**k you. Get out of here. And with Bill Burr, I've always been kind of 50-50, because he is an asshole. He At least he comes across as an asshole to me. And I don't know how much of that is him, and how much of that is the character he's built up as a stand-up comedian. Because when all this Gina Carano shit was going down, uh, people I follow on my movie Instagram page, certain people were like, oh, I, I stand with Gina. So I'm like, you know what? I don't want to have to deal with you. And now, supposedly, Ben Shapiro is going to finance a movie Gina Carano's doing. Really, Ben f-ing Shapiro? But you know what? Let's end on a maybe not a great note, but at least a happier one. My friends, this from Slash Film. Have you been asking yourself, why don't we have more cartoon live action hybrid movies? Why aren't there more of them? Good news. They have finally found a director for the live action animation hybrid. Hello Kitty movie. Yay! Finally! Jennifer Coyle and Leo Matsuda will be directing the film and so far there's not much known about the plot. And I'm just wondering what the f- plot can there be? It's not like Hello Kitty has a plot. Hello Kitty is just a an icon used to sell like kids jewelry and pens and paper and shit. I don't know. But with that my future friends it is time to take our first break and we will be right back after this word from our friends at the somewhat nerdy podcast network please stay tuned are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture well look no further somewhat nerdy radio is the podcast for you we cover nerd culture news new movie reviews bad movie reviews video games comics with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, everyone, we are back. We are back with everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast and welcome to The Trailer Trove. All right, my friends, the first trailer that we have to talk about isn't for a movie it's for a Disney Plus original series that I'm really quite excited for called The Mighty Ducks Game Changers and this takes place almost 30 years after the first movie which which makes sense because it's almost 30 years since the Mighty Ducks came out and in this series the ducks have become a huge deal and the ducks are now what the other team was um what was the team. The cake eater was on the first team, whatever that team was. That's the ducks now. So it's about this mother and her son. The son gets cut from the team because he's not good enough and it blows her mind. She's like, why aren't we having fun? Why aren't we doing things to enjoy it? Why are we taking this so seriously? And then so she decides to start their own team and they need a coach. So they turn to Gordon Bombay, Gordon Bombay, who now runs an ice rink, but hates hockey and hates kids. So can the mom, played by by Lauren Graham, change his mind? I think this looks good. I am looking forward to it. And it's coming out in March. I think end of March. Next up, we have the trailer for Disney Pixar's new movie, Luca. This comes out June 18th. And let's expect the same bullshit as normal where it's coming to Disney Plus, but only with premiere access. And you have to pay money for a service you already use, a hook. So probably June 18th for people willing to pay, and maybe, let's see, July, August, September, maybe September sometime for people who don't. Because it didn't take too long for Mulan to come. I still haven't watched Mulan, because, you know, fuck that. But this one takes place on the Italian Riviera, and this is about two sea monsters who can disguise themselves as human unless they are touched by water. So they go into this fishing village. And they befriend people there, and they have to keep their secret because this vi- this village is known for killing sea monsters, because that's where you want to go. If you're a sea monster, the village you want to choose to try and go to is the one that's known and has statues dedicating their slaying of sea monsters. But of course, if that obvious, obvious solution was part of the movie, then we wouldn't have a movie to begin with. But this is a Disney Pixar film, and it looks like, at least from the character design, that they're taking a lot of inspiration from the Wallace and Gromit series. Just look at their mouths. I mean, come on. That's a Wallace and Gromit mouth right there. But this does feature some voices, and right now, all the ones I know are Jacob Tremblay, Maya Rudolph, and Jim Gaffigan. And you know what? We have some new teaser trailers for Godzilla vs. Kong. And my god, don't don't give me any more of these, because it's hard to put on pants now. Because it's just sticking out. My nerd boner is so huge, I knock things over with it. And I work in a grocery store. I just ruin the shelves walking down the aisles, just knocking all the soup down. There's Bill's nerd boner saying, "f you, soup. But yes, yes, and more yes. I cannot wait. All right, next up, we have a trailer for a movie we talked about before in the news, Army of the Dead. This is a Netflix original movie directed and co-written by Zack Snyder. Following a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas, a group of mercenaries take the ultimate gamble, venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the greatest heist ever attempted. And yeah, looks like a big action film with zombies. I, I'm down. That's it. You ought, you automatically have me. I am interested. My only question, like I've said before, is in this world, I'm assuming money still matters. So the zombie outbreak couldn't have been catastrophic otherwise wouldn't our wouldn't our money be worthless then? But then again, this isn't the type of movie you ask questions in. You don't ask sit back and go, "Oh, how can they do that?" because you're watching mercenaries kill zombies. This isn't really the type of movie that you sit back and nitpick. He says after nitpicking it. And the fun thing is, by the time this comes out, we will have seen the Snyder cut. So maybe we should be even more pumped for this, or maybe people are just going to be a little scared just because of maybe the Snyder Cut was bad, or maybe it was amazing. We will see. Because you know, you know for a fact we're going to be talking about the Snyder Cut on this show. And my future friends, the final trailer, um, I had saved it that watching it, was going to watch it before I talked about it on the show. I didn't realize it was just the same trailer we've already talked about for the Marchuri up. Uh, Marturian, I think? Uh, The movie, uh, based on the true story about the dude who was supposedly the one who recruited the terrorists in the 9-11 attacks, was held in Guantanamo for six years without even a trial, and the people who come to defend him. And this is going to be good. But the thing with this film is that it falls in this weird kind of category for me, where it seems like an Oscar-bait film, but also it's not, because we've seen movies like this come out, that just smell like Oscar bait, but they are on some streaming service. So, you know, they're probably never, never going to get a recommend uh, recommendation probably never get nominated because all of these voting bodies are still so against movies from streaming services being considered. But one day when they are, we can look back at that and go, yeah, that's obvious Oscar bait. I think the movie looks good, but of course, also infuriating because crimes were committed at Guantanamo that were never really answered for. People's lives were ruined just because they had brown skin and lived in the Middle East, and that was terrible. Well, my future friends, let us end the trailer trove as we take a break and hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast, and we'll be right back with the movies. Nerds of the Squared Circle on nerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling?
1: Yeah!
0: Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Somewonderita.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com All right, my future friends, we're back with the films that are coming out this week on streaming, and we start with one called Stray. In the world of Zaytan, a stray dog lives the life on the streets of Istanbul. This is a documentary, and if what I'm getting from some of the early reviews is right... It's a commentary on the life of people in Istanbul, told through the eyes of this dog. Uh, Let's talk about Sometime Other Than Now. Uh, Stray was coming to video on demand, so is this one. Sometime Other Than Now. Seeking redemption, a middle-aged man drives across the country in search of the daughter he abandoned as a child. This stars Kate Walsh from Grey's Anatomy. Donald Loge from Gotham. I think Trieste Kelly Dunn from Banshee and Alexa Swinton from Billions and my future friends if you hear noises in the background um, we realize we haven't let our cats play with their tunnel for a while so we brought it out and they are going batshit but let's talk about sometime other than now you know how I said that movie coming out on Amazon Prime the Marturian or whatever seemed like Oscar bait we can say things like that because you and I were familiar with movies we know films so in the same way we can tell a film like that is award season bait, Sometime Other Than Now is one of those movies that's just going to make you cry. Because what kind of heartless bastard could watch an old man driving across the country to make amends with the daughter he abandoned? Who, how can we watch that with dry eyes? Who? Who are we? We're not Mark Zuckerberg. We have emotions. So if you like movies like this, then, you know, this movie is for you. If you watched The Leisure Seeker, if you watched that one from a few weeks back with Colin Firth and, oh God, who is the other one? Stanley Tucci. If you watch movies like that, then this one is for you. Next up, we have to talk about The Affair. Coming to video on demand, Lysel Lunder, I think, and her friend Hannah are linked by a lifelong relationship and an exceptional house built by the architect Von Apt for Laisal and her husband, Victor, in Czechoslovakia in the early 1300s, 1930s. This stars Hannah Alstrom from Kingsman, The Secret Service. You know, she was the one that bribed Eggsy with butt sex to save the world. And I'm not trying to slut shame the character, that's just the most memorable role I know her from. So what we have here is a period piece focused around a lesbian relationship, so yay for you if you like that. Next up, we have a movie called The Devil Below coming out on Video On Demand. There is an abandoned place nestled deep in the Appalachian country where underground coal miners have been ablaze. Or, <laughs> where underground coal mines have been ablaze for decades. Huh, Silent Hill, anyone? When a team of researchers try to find out how the fire started, they soon discover something more startling than the mystery that sent them there. They are not alone. This stars Will Patton from Armageddon, Aiden Kanto from Designated Survivor, and Jonathan Sadowski from Young and Hungry. And if movies have taught me anything, it's this following lesson, that nothing good happens in the Appalachian Mountains. I'm sorry if you live there. Wow, that sounded really f***ed up, didn't it? (laughs) I'm sorry if I offended you if you live there, but let's be honest, Hollywood isn't exactly kind to you. Alright, let's talk about a movie called Sun, another VOD movie. When a young boy contracts a mysterious illness, his mother must decide how far she will go to protect him from the terrifying forces in her past. This stars Emil Hirsch from Into the Wild and Andy Matichek from Halloween, the 2018 Halloween. And I really feel like I'm phoning in this episode because it's just okay. I mean, all these movies have just been okay. I mean, I, I feel like any of these, if I watch these, I wouldn't turn it off going, oh, I hate this film. But I also feel like it's mediocre. I Nothing about any of these films have spoken to me and tell me that they're going to be anything other than basic. Just because a movie like The Affair or Sometime Other Than Now can hit you in the feels doesn't mean it's going to be good because it's not hard to hit someone in the feels. Just kill a family member, kill a dog, kill a cat, kill, kill something. Have someone lose their memory. It, there's a million ways to hit someone in the feels. And my future friends, speaking of Oscar bait, the next film, again coming to VOD, Crisis. Three stories about the world of opioids collide. A drug trafficker arranges a multi-cartel fentanyl smuggling operation between Canada and the U.S. An architect recovering from an Oxycontin addiction tracks down the truth behind her son's involvement with narcotics. And a university professor battles unexpected revelations about his research employer, a drug company with deep government influence, bringing a new non-addictive painkiller to the market. This stars Gary Oldman from The Dark Knight, Army Hammer from Call Me By Your Name, Evangeline Lilly from Ant-Man, Greg Kinnear from Sabrina, Michelle Rodriguez from The Fast and the Furious, musician Kid Cootie, and Lily Rose Depp from Yoga Hosers. To me this feels like one of those movies you see someone big like Gary Oldman do in between other films where there's nothing particularly wrong with it but it's just one of those forgotten movies where someone may see it and go, "Hey, that was fine. That was a fine movie. Good job Gary Oldman. Good job Army Hammer. Good for you." Well, maybe not Army Hammer. You're you're still kind of iffy, aren't you? Good for you and Virgin Lily. Yeah. But then you kind of forget about it. This is that movie. If I get the chance to, I'll definitely watch it. I like Gary Oldman. But this, even though it's trying to tackle a real world issue, even though we really are living through an opioid epidemic, I still feel like this movie is very basic. This movie feels like, you know, Dark Water. I watched Dark Water with Mark Ruffalo. I liked it. But this feels like one of those movies where you can group them all together, pick a random one, and you'll just go, yeah, fine. It was fine. And I think that's the that, that's the main feeling I'm getting with a lot of the movies that are coming out this week. They're fine. There's only two movies that actually make me feel feelings of any sort. And, of course, I'm saving those for the end. But you know what? If you watch this, tell me. Hell, if you watch any of these movies, tell me. Tell me what you thought. Tell me if my preconceived notions based on the trailers that's not a preconceived notion, is it? My my opinions, based on the trailers, if those were right or wrong. Tell me, was I totally off the mark? Tell me, did I hit the mark? Tell me, am I wavering somewhere in the middle? Just tell me what you think. But let's move on to the next movie, another VOD one. And the last VOD one, the rest we know for sure where they're coming out, is Pixie. To avenge her mother's death, Pixie masterminds a heist, but must flee across Ireland from gangsters to take on the patriarchy and choose her own destiny. God, I hate that premise. You guys know I hate that. If you've been around for a while, you know I hate that shit. I hate choosing your own destiny or changing your destiny. It's stupid. It's fucking stupid. You either believe in destiny or you don't. Destiny is preordained. Destiny, you can't escape. So either, either you believe in destiny. Or if you're one of the people who's like, oh, I can change my destiny, then you don't believe in it and shut the f*** up. It's just that simple. Okay, but enough about that. This stars Olivia Cooke from Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Spoiler, she's a dying girl. Fra Free. No, Fra. F- I knew I was going to do that. Fra Fee from Hawkeye, the upcoming TV show. Rory Fleck Burn from Harlots. Ben Hardy from Bohemian Rhapsody. Colm Meany from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and Alec Baldwin from The Hunt for Red October. When I was watching the trailer, I forgot that Olivia Cook was from the United Kingdom because I noticed that all of the actors were actually from there, that uh, they're from uh, a lot of Irish actors in this. And I was like, okay, and they just got Olivia Cook. Why? Well, she's from the UK. So that makes a lot of sense. And fun fact for her She's not disfigured or ugly or dying in this film. So I think that's a step up. So we should congratulate her. Good job, Olivia Cook. But seriously, this is one of those kind of dark comedies because it looks funny, but there's also a lot of murder and drug dealing and stuff you wouldn't normally find in a comedy. Think like 21 Jump Street, but a little darker because it's not it's not the cable guy at least from the trailer it doesn't seem like it's as dark as the cable guy got but it's a little darker than normal it looks it looks pretty good uh what we know so far from the trailer is that pixie's dad is played by column meanie and he's a gangster or a drug lord or something, and he is in constant battle with this other drug lord or gangster or whatever played by alec baldwin It looks like a lot of fun. It really does. I heard it's going to be coming to one of the big streaming services later in the year. I don't know which one, and if I hear something about it, I will let you know. But for now, Pixie is going to be available on video on demand somewhere. Magically somewhere. All right, Uh, next up, a Hulu original movie called Boss Level. A retired Special Forces officer is trapped in a never-ending time loop on the day of his death. Yes, another time loop movie. And that wasn't sarcastic happiness. I like these. This one stars Frank Grillo from The Purge Anarchy, Mel Gibson from Mad Max, Naomi Watts from Mulholland Drive, Will Sasso from Mad TV, Annabelle Wallace from Annabelle, Sean McKinney from The Neighborhood, Michelle Yeoh from Tomorrow Never Dies, and Dr. Ken Jong from Community. Look, I said it before. I like time loop movies. And as long as you do something different, it's fine. Because Ann and I watched the uh, the map of tiny pretty things or the map of tiny perfect things or whatever it is. We'll be talking about it on the show later. Or a different episode, that is. But I liked it. It was cute. And even though I put it below other movies time loop movies i've seen it was still fun and this one can be fun too because the time loop is just a fun mechanic to play with just like people's powers is a fun mechanic to play with just like time travel just like any of these things is a fun mechanic for a new story to use so we can tell more and more stories using familiar things like this All right, friends, next up is the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run, coming out on Video on Demand and on Paramount Plus, which, oh, what do you know good? (laughs) I was just looking online and noticed that until the third, which is tomorrow, and I'm sorry the episode won't be out tomorrow, but there's a limited time deal, 50% off for a year of Paramount Plus, and I'm very, very tempted, because that's where all of the original Star Trek content is going to, and they're going to start getting their own movies like this one. Sponge on the run after Spongebob's beloved pet snail Gary is snail-napped. He and Patrick embark on an epic adventure to the lost city of Atlantic City to bring Gary home. This features the voices of the original cartoon as well as Keanu Reeves, Reggie Watts, Aquafina, Snoop Dogg, Danny Trejo, and Tiffany Haddish. I I never watched Spongebob. I I was never a fan. I didn't hate it. I just never, it was just never my thing. It was a little later in the Nicktoons for me. My Nicktoons were Ren and Stimpy, Rugrats, Real Monsters, Angry Beavers, Doug, like that. And even though I still watch cartoons to this day, when SpongeBob came out, I was kind of phasing out of cartoons a little bit. But if you are a fan, watch this. This looks funny. I might even watch it, and I'm not even a SpongeBob fan. Though to be fair, maybe I should give Spongebob a chance. A few episodes I have seen, I've liked. So who knows? All right, my friends, two movies left. One of them is the pick of the week. And you know, that's going to be the last one. So let's talk about the movie that's not the pick of the week. Surprisingly, and I will tell you why, but that movie is called Raya and the Last Dragon coming to Disney Plus Premier Access. And that, right, that, right there, that's the reason. In the realm known as Kumandra, a reimagined Earth inhabited by ancient civilization. A warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon. Huh? Raya wants to find the last dragon. I wonder if she does. Who knows? This features the voices of actual Asians: Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina again, Gemma Chan, Daniel Day Kim, Benedict Wong, Sandra Oh, Lucille Sung, and Alan Tudyk. And it's fine that he's in there because everyone loves Alan Tudyk. I don't even care if he's voicing an Asian character because he's Alan Tudyk. He can do whatever the f*** he wants. Okay, not really, but you know what I mean. I do want to say this. I am really excited for this. I am really excited for anything Asian. As you know, whenever a movie with Asians comes out, I'm totally on board. But the reason this isn't the pick of the week is that premiere access is that word right there. Because... You already have Disney Plus, you already pay for it, but these motherfuckers are like, oh, hey, do you want to watch this movie now? Then give us money, more money than you already paid. Do you want to watch it in a few months? Then just wait, bitches, and guess what I'm going to do? I'm just going to wait, bitches, because I really want to watch this, but I do not want to pay 20 or 30 extra bucks just to watch this movie a little sooner. No, sir, no, madam, no way, no how but it does look good this does look like a fun film because it looks like it still has an element of a of a goofy character like mushu from mulan with the with the last dragon but we also have this very familiar story of this female warrior trying to reunite her people we've heard this before but it goes a different way and she gets this group of people and they have to do something i don't know but it looks like there's action in it and i'm excited especially because I really have to wait a bit to watch Mulan just to get that bad taste out of my mouth of all the shit that went down, especially with the main actress, uh, Li Fei Liu, supporting China instead of Hong Kong during all that shit. No, no, no thank you with that. And then we have the whole thing with Disney thanking certain government bodies in China, knowing fully that there are about 2 million Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps for the purpose of re-education with the communist doctrine. And look, I'm not one of those idiots from my from our parents' generation going, oh, we're scared of communism, but this is fucked up. And so that's why I still am c- kind of eh about Mulan, even though me watching it now, I'm already paying for Disney Plus and it's free now. So thankfully, Raya and The Last Dragon doesn't have that kind of uh, with it. But yeah, still Disney, I'm not gonna pay for that shit. I already pay for Disney Plus. What more do you want? And finally, my future friends, let us talk about the pick of the week for this week, and that is Coming to America. The African monarch Akeem learns that he has a long lost son in the United States and must return to America to meet his his unexpected heir and build a relationship with his son. This stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, and Louis Anderson from the first movie. And new to the series is Leslie Jones of SNL fame, Jermaine Fowler from Superior Donuts, Kiki Lane from If Beale Street Could Talk, and Tracy Morgan from 30 Rock, as well as Wesley Snipes from Blade. I will be honest, when a Coming to America 2 was first announced, I knew I would watch it, but I wasn't too stoked. Just because it. I, I was thinking, why? Like, really, why are we doing this? But when I watched the first trailer... Then my mind changed, because I thought it was hilarious, and now I am excited. The question is, how are they going to balance it? Because they need a balance of it being close enough to the original, or similar in ways, but also not being a direct copy. So it really needs that balance. It needs the same type of jokes, just like we have with the barbershop. And we need new things, too, just like we're going to have this young person who, or younger person, who's playing Akeem's heir, who I think is Jermaine Fowler. And then we have his mother played by uh, Leslie Jones, and that that's great. Leslie Jones is wonderful. And I think everything is right. They got everything right, and the fact it's coming straight to Prime Video. Oh, I forgot to say that, didn't I? Coming straight to Prime Video. So you can just watch it, because let's face it, like, we may hate Amazon, For many different reasons, but we all have it because it makes life easier. Just like how Walmart is a terrible f***ing company, but they have a lot of shit for a really good price. So you have Amazon Prime, or you know someone who has Amazon Prime, so you can watch this. And the good news is the first Coming to America is already on Amazon Prime. So you can pregame by watching Coming to America, and then watch Coming to America. Movies like this are what we need when we get remakes and reboots. Or maybe just reboots. Or also long-awaited sequels. Because I think this is really more of a just a long-awaited sequel instead of a reboot. Because it's not like they're trying to start it up again. It's not like, oh, they're trying to bring back the Coming to America series. And remember, you're going to have those haters out there that are going to be saying, Hollywood has no interesting ideas left. And you tell those motherfuckers to pay attention and to the movies that are coming out, because there's a lot of original movies out there. They just cherry-pick the ones they want to bitch about because they're bitches, okay? But Coming to America looks funny. It really does. It looks like a good laugh, and I am excited for it. So that's why Coming to America is this week's Pick of the Week. All right, my future friends, next break time, as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, please stay tuned, and we will be right back with the movies we watched for this week.
1: There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach wall-to-wall filthy fucking language
0: go to a grocery store i'm like i know exactly what i need i get in there and like yeah, <laughs> the yeah did i even come here for
1: with our charity swear jar every up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction
0: the motherfuckers a mouth breather
1: gaming movies life musings it's all here served on a bed of and garnished with a crown of shut the fuck up how the fuck did we get here fuck all that fuck a jolly bean so if you want to hear us do good things with bad words check out the watch your mouth podcast on i iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wimpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth.
0: All right, everyone, welcome back. We are back with the two movies that we watched for this week, and we're going to start with the first film, which was Gemini Man. This is about an over-the-hill hitman who faces off against a younger clone of himself. This stars Will Smith from Wild Wild West. Mary Elizabeth Weinstead from 10 Cloverfield Lane, Benedict Wong from Dr. Strange, Clive Owen from Children of Men, and Linda Emmond from Lodge 49, and this was directed by Ang Lee. And we all know that Ang Lee did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And what I failed to realize, what I didn't put together, what I didn't add up and get a sum for, was that Ang Lee has done more than I thought. Because whenever I thought about Ang Lee, I always thought about action. And then I'm looking at his IMDb page and going, oh yeah, he did Brokeback Mountain. Oh yeah, he did Sense and Sensibility. Not a lot of fighting in Sense and Sensibility. I forgot he was such a well-rounded director. But this this movie was a action film through and through. A sci-fi action film. Sci-fi only in the sense that it is science fiction that we can clone someone like this and make sure to get all of the same things, all the same skills that he's becoming the same person. And I remember when this trailer came out, and I remember what I thought. I remember thinking that it looked okay, that I would probably see it, but I wasn't wowed. I I didn't need to see this film, not at all. But my wife and I finally saw it, and you know what? It was okay, it wasn't bad. And remember, just a reminder, I don't make these spoiler free when i talk about the movies in that that we've watched for the show they could be spoiler free i know i've talked about movies and haven't spoiled anything but sometimes i will so i think it's just safer if you really care about spoilers just to skip this part so we have will smith as this super secret agent basically a little more realistic than james bond but still a little more fictional so somewhere in between james bond and jack ryan we have will smith So we have Will Smith as Super Agent Henry Brogan, which is actually not a bad name. And that's just something I like to make fun of, because we all know with movies like this, it could could go one of two ways. We know that it could go with a, a kind of normal name, Henry Brogan. Brogan's not the most common surname, but whatever. But then sometimes we have, and what was his name? Arnold Schwarzenegger in Last Action Hero, his character was Jack Slater. Or we also have the famous snake Pliskin. So just a little, just a little fun thing. I just finished reading this YA fantasy. That's really good, called Legendborn. And I thought it was really funny because a lot of people have very normal names. Bree was a main character. We had an Alice. We had a Nick. We had a Greer, and then Selwyn Kane. Oh, who's the broody kind of asshole-ish magician, Selwyn Kane? Okay, let's uh, let's get off the topic in names and talk about Gemini Man, because that's why you're here. Well, hopefully you're here because you like the show. It'd be really weird and a very big coincidence if you're just here to hear me talk about Gemini Man. But hey, if you are, welcome anyway. I hope you stay. But Gemini Man is an action drama, and like I said, with a hint of sci-fi, because we have this old dude. He's ready to retire and he's been doing his he's not super old he's just older than you should be for this sort of job kind of like when a pro wrestler or a pro athlete retires they're probably like 40 50 that's not bad but they can't do that anymore that's why when it comes to the wwe i'm so glad the undertaker has finally retired because it wasn't entertaining anymore He is a legend. I remember watching him when I was growing up. He was amazing. But each time he came out, the matches were so painful. I was so scared he was just going to die. But anyway, Will Smith's character, uh, Henry Brogan, is uh, ready to retire. He's been doing the secret agent thing for a while. He's killed so many people. And he says, okay, bye, I'm going to retire. I totally trust you not to spy on me and follow me and try to have me killed. Not. And so he does find out there is a plot against him because some bad guy behind the whole whatever secret organization it was, I forgot, but they want him dead because this guy thinks that Brogan knows that this guy did something dirty, even though he doesn't. And who does he send to kill the best secret agent? His clone that he was raising as his adopted son, because that's normal. But first, they have someone else watching him, played by Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, and then he gets his old friend, Benedict Wong, and they make this really nice group, and I really like it. And I was wondering for a bit, as the movie is going on, were we going to have this, oh, what's the saying, December-June relationship? Uh, July, January, I don't know. This relationship between Henry Brogan and Danny Zakaretsky, I think is how you say it, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead's character. So we're going to have this relationship between two people substantially different ages. And, you know, it happens. And nothing wrong with that. But it's just, I I didn't want it because I wanted this to be an action film. And this didn't feel like one of those 90s, early 2000s action films where we do expect a romance and it's cheesy and you know it's never going to last. Just like Keanu and Sandra Bullock in Speed. But I like that they were friends and... If they did a sequel, maybe they can get together. There could have been some sort of chemistry between them, and they did have good chemistry. But I'm glad this was an action flick. And for the most part, this was a very good action flick. It wasn't it wasn't amazing, but it was fun, and it was enjoyable. And there was only a couple times I really went, uh, why are we doing this? And one of those times was when they killed Benedict Wong. For no reason. And... And No one had time to mourn the death because it was happening right when when everything was ending, and so it felt pointless. So it felt pointless, and that made me mad. Because this, if this was a more serious movie, if this was a serious drama instead of a action serious action film, then I would have said that maybe they did this to show that death could happen any time in a situation like this, and it would have been a very... A very good moment. But for the type of film it is, to have a death like that, that doesn't serve any purpose, that doesn't drive the main character, that doesn't have this moment of tragedy for the group, it just felt wasted. But let's talk about the big question. Let us talk about the big question when it comes to Gemini Man. Because you remember, if you do, when this trailer was coming out, or, or when the trailer came out, I had an issue. I had the issue that this digital de-aging of will smith had to be pretty damn good and in the trailer it kind of looked iffy because will smith played his own younger self and they digitally de-aged him and it was oh it was okay there sometimes it was really good other times it just looked wrong like you're watching scenes with junior in it and it was wrong not in any particular way that i could point at going oh there it is it's the nose or he has fucked up eyes or it's his mouth is on his forehead. There's no, There was nothing like that. It just felt off. But luckily, that didn't happen a lot. And even when it did, I could kind of just focus on the action. Because it's still weird technology. It looks... It can look good. And it's impressive that we can do it. But when you're relying so heavily on it... And please keep in mind, I still haven't watched The Irishman. So I don't... I can't critique it compared to that. But... It wasn't bad for being a fairly new thing to Hollywood, but it could have been better. And then later, near the end of the movie, when the even younger version, when the second clone was found, luckily we didn't see much of him because that one looked even weirder. And there were so many times in this film that it could have tried to be so much more. And I'm glad it didn't, because we could have had a commentary on... On soldiers, on the life of a soldier and what it's like for them. We could have had a commentary on sending young men to war. We could have had commentary on so many aspects of war and espionage and all this stuff. But instead, it was just an action movie. And I liked that because that's what I wanted. Will Smith, as always, is good. We know Will Smith is good. He is a solid actor. He seems like a really nice guy, which always helps. I really like Mary Elizabeth Weinstein. I think she has a, an amazing future in Hollywood ahead of her. She's already done so much. Clive Owen, great bad guy. You just always want to punch him in the face. And then he can turn around and be just the most charming dude in a movie. He's amazing. Benedict Wong. I just want more Benedict Wong. Because I don't think we get to see enough of him in the Doctor Strange movie. Uh, we hardly saw any of him in the other Avengers movies, but he was there. He was good in The Martian and Sunshine. He's a really good character actor, but I want, I want to see him more. And we saw more of him in this. He did have a nice role. It was just his unfortunately timed death, which I had a problem with. So Gemini Man was a good spy movie. It was a good action movie. As an action movie, it was a little more grounded than some of the uh, some of the movies we're used to, but it was still good. And it knew what it was. It didn't try to be more. It didn't try to have some huge lesson behind it. it. It was just, we have this interesting idea for a story. We're going to do it. We're going to present this action film. We're going to digitally de-age Will Smith, and it's not going to be that bad. Here you go. And on this show, I talk a lot about knowing what you're getting into when you see a movie. Because a lot of times, I will see reviews for a movie like this, and then I see people picking it apart like they were trying to pick apart Schindler's List, or Gone with the Wind, or some classic award-winning film. And I see this review right here on IMDb by user NL31303. Great name, buddy. But it's great. It The title is just Decent Action Thriller. And he he or she or they says underrated, definitely flaws in script, but overall far away from a disaster. I would say it's a 6.5 to 7 worth a C. And despite some weird choices in the grammar, that's great. I liked it. I liked it more than this person did, but that's a great review because it seems like they knew what they were getting into. It's like they were prepared to watch a movie like this. And that's all I ask. That's all I ask from you, my future friends. If you do watch this movie, know what you're getting into, and you're going to enjoy it. Is it great? No, it's not great. It's just good. It's just a good film. And for me, because I liked it a little more than that person, Gemini Man gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let us take our final break as we hear word from our friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Please stay tuned.
1: Hi, I'm Lisa, and I'm Robbie, and we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean, I'm from Scotland, and I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits, you mean cookies, Brexit, whatever's going on here, who knows, almost dying, why we're single, popular culture, and basically everything and
0: anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in because
1: we're we're doing doing fine.
0: fine. Welcome back to the show. It is time for the final film of the week, and that is called Like a Boss. Two friends with very different ideals start a beauty company together. One is more practical, while the other wants to earn her fortune and live a lavish lifestyle. This stars Tiffany Haddish from Night School, Rose Bine from Insidious, Selma Hayek from Dogma, Billy Porter from Pose, Jennifer Coolidge from Legally Blonde, Jacob Lattimore from Detroit, Karan Sony from Deadpool, Jimmy O'Yang from Fantasy Island, and Ryan Hansen from, from Veronica Mars. You guys know I like Tiffany Haddish, right? You, you know that. And I always mention her when someone like Melissa McCarthy comes up, or Seth Rogen, or one of those other very, uh, very polarizing figures come up, just because she's one of them. The fact that she's in a movie, just like the fact that the other people I mentioned are in a movie, can just one hundred percent turn someone off. So if you're one of those people who don't like her, then skip it. It's easy, easy peasy. But for those of us who like her, or at least don't mind her, this is a good film to watch, especially because Rose Byrne is in it, Sam Hayek is in it, Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge is a gem. She is the most slept-on actress in so long because she can just sell whatever she does all of her characters that i've seen are different but a little the same like she has her she has her way of presenting them that's so very jennifer coolidge even if her characters are very different in other ways and if you've never seen the show joey that was the spin-off to friends which I still believe Joey was a better show than Friends because I can re-watch Joey and I have no interest whatsoever at in ever watching Friends again. If my wife one day says, hey, husband, I want to rewatch Friends, I'll be like, okay, sure. But I will never request it because I think the show was good once and that's it. Joey, on the other hand, is a delight. And it's a shame it only got two seasons and Jennifer Coolidge was a wonderful part of that Playing Joey's agent. But enough about that, like a boss. So we have this very female forward movie, even though it's directed by a dude and written by two dudes, whatever, they do a good job. Because what impresses me about this story is that it's about loving yourself. Because it's about standing up to anyone who tells you you need to be different to be loved, you need to be different to be appreciated, you need to be different for any reason. It, it tells you you should be you, and that is told in two different parts of the story because we have the story of Tiffany Haddish and Rose Byrne as Mia and Mel, because we have them and they're, they've been friends for years and years and years, and then Claire Luna comes in. Claire Luna, this big beauty guru, this mega millionaire, uh, because of cosmetics, comes in goes, hey, I have some ideas. I want to buy your line. And so this starts to drive a wedge between Haddish and Bine, between Mel and Mia. Because we have Mia, played by Haddish, going, hey, I'm, I'm okay the way things are. I'm okay with us being us. But we have Mel, who strives for more, who wants the riches, who wants the lavish lifestyle. But what I liked about how the story came out was that it wasn't just a one-sided thing. It wasn't just Mel changing and Mia having to either put up with it or leave. Mia had some learning to do too. So it just wasn't all on Mel because she wanted more. It was a lot on Mia because she didn't understand how much Mel did do for her. So we have this story of being yourself and appreciating what you have told through their relationship and the roller coaster of it throughout this movie and throughout the the whole idea of their makeup line the idea that you're already beautiful we just want to accent what makes you beautiful we want to show off what you already have because then we have Ron and Greg two friends who are competing with Mel and Mia for this spot under Claire Luna's cosmetic umbrella and their whole thing is you ugly. We need to cover that shit up, and their sort of gross frat boy energy, instead of being instead of being shunned by Claire Luna and her group, is actually revered. It's they're like, yes, yes, that's exactly what we do here. We make this makeup so women can cover up they their ugly ass faces. So during the film, we have Mia who's sitting back, going, No, you don't have to do that. You're you are beautiful. You don't need to cover anything up and then we have mel who may agree with mia but she sees her opportunity slipping away so she tries to go along with it and that's what causes part of their their break but let's be honest you don't watch a comedy like this for the moral lessons you don't it just so happens that this movie had one and i liked it and i liked how the moral lesson was seen in both their their ideology as a business, and in their own story. I thought this was a really well-done film. I laughed, and I realized I just want more Billy Porter and Jennifer Coolidge together, because they were great together. Jennifer Coolidge, I just love. Billy Porter, fantastic. I'm a big fan of Karan Sony. I like him, but he was just okay in this. Uh, his character really didn't have much he, he was just the uh, assistant to Claire Luna. But this was a fun film. If you like these people, watch this film. If anything about this premise made you at least a little interested, check it out. I thought this was really well done. It's not a great comedy. Just like Gemini Man, this wasn't a great film, but it's good. It's solid. So if you like films like this, then you need to check this out because I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed myself. It's not my favorite movie by any of these people, but it's a good one. And it also helps that Tiffany Haddish's character was different from some of her other movies, so it shows that she does have range even with her same over-the-top delivery. So check out Like a Boss, because my future friend, you know already. If you will ever check this out, you know based on that cast. But I hope you do, because it was fun. Like a Boss Gets an 8 out of 11. Alright my future friends, that is it for this episode. But wait, there's more. We have the question of the week to talk about and the films for next week and no break, so let's jump right into it. The question for last week was, What was your favorite movie with a primarily black cast that celebrates a black story? Our first answer comes from Brian Q. Brian Q, who says black dynamite total love letter to the black exploitation films of the 70s and yes you're right it is a total love letter to those movies but what made it even better is that it was made in the quote-unquote modern days back in 2009 but it could easily still have been a movie from the 70s Black exploitation, of course a subgenre of exploitation films and thanks to wikipedia did that get a laugh from anyone no Okay, sorry. Anyway, according to uh, Wikipedia, an exploitation film is a film that attempts to succeed financially by exploiting current trends, niche genres, or lurid content. And in particular, black exploitation is defined as films that are made with black actors, ostensibly for black audiences, often in a stereotypical black American urban milieu. It goes on to talk about how a big theme was the struggle of... Black Americans to Overcome the Man. I didn't realize this was co-written by Michael Jai White, who also starred in it as Black Dynamite. Michael Jai White, who is one of the most slept-on actors for a long time. You remember he was Spawn, he was Gamble in the Dark Knight, he was in that wonderfully cheesy action movie Exit Wounds with Steven Seagal and um, DM- DMX, <laughs> I was going to say DMC, and DMX. But Black Dynamite... Great choice. We then turn to Anne, who has two answers. She said the first one, "Save the Last Dance," that was from two thousand one, directed by Thomas Carter, who did movies like Coach Carter and the Eddie Murphy comedy action comedy Metro about a white Midwestern girl who moves to Chicago, where her new boyfriend is a black teen from the South Side with a rough semi-criminal past. And her second answer was Black Panther, of course, because it's a it's an amazing movie. Directed and co-written by the amazing Ryan Coogler, who did Creed 1 and 2 and Fruitvale Station. Anne also wanted me to mention that she hasn't seen Save the Last Dance in a while, so if there is something very problematic about it, uh, she has forgotten. But I did my best to Google-foo it, and even the Huffington Post, and we all know how far left the Huffington Post is. Even they didn't say anything about that movie being uh, cancel-worthy. See, I'm fair. I don't like Ben Shapiro or Ariana Huffington. Equal. But Black Panther had an amazing, amazing cast, and it was so well done. And she loved it for the women. And that was a really impressive part of the movie because we have this male character being the forefront of the film, but we also have these these super strong women supporting him and even stepping up when he's not there. What's on What's even more on top of that is we have my favorite MCU villain in Killmonger because he was so well done, and Michael B. Jordan did such a great job as him because Killmonger is such a deep and layered character. I forever thought Loki would be my favorite villain, and then I saw this, and it's Killmonger, 100%. As for my answers, I too have two attack the block is the first one the the action comedy sci-fi comedy from 2011 starring john boyega that takes place in the united kingdom so bad shit is going down in this part of the part of south london which is kind of like the hood and guess what the cops aren't gonna save them. They don't even go to that area. So these so these kids in this bad neighborhood have to protect themselves and have to do it for themselves. And I like this movie because because it's a film that looks at another country and goes, hey look, there are problems over there too. Like systemic racism in the in the United States, they don't own it. It's in a lot of places. But let's face it, you don't watch Attack the Block for its commentary on on racism you watch it because it's a fun film that's why you watch it what you want to watch for the commentary is my second choice and it was going to be my only answer until i remembered about attack the block is get out of course it is the jordan peele now classic with an amazing performance from daniel kaluuya with a terrifying plot and what's even more terrifying about this movie is that it may not have ever been made if there wasn't actually a problem with authorities not taking cases about black people as seriously as they do white people so based on that then we get this whole idea that was stewed and grew in jordan peele's mind and it became one of the best horror ever and it's not a horror in the same way as halloween is or uh the conjuring it's a psychological horror but it's still a horror and it's one of the best and this movie made me hate caleb landry jones even though i know it's just his character i know it's just him acting he's still super good at being awful and lakeith stanfield's performance when he's when he's starting to snap like his the the repressed conscience of the uh, of of the black guy is starting to come forward that's that's amazing and you can't discount Lil Rel Howery who was the only lighthearted element of the whole movie all right ladies and gentlemen let's tell you what the next question of the week is and then we'll talk about the movies for next week so the next question of the week in celebration of uh, of women's women's month women's history month national women's month what is it called women's history month a very similar question what is your favorite movie with either a primarily female cast or that tackles female issues so what is your favorite movie that has a primarily female cast and tackles female issues all right friends let us tell you let us let me tell you what movies we're watching for next week the first one is an Amazon original movie uh, available to stream on Prime, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. This is a Time Loop movie starring Catherine Newton, Kyle Allen, and anyone else notable? Mainly just them. It's about two teens who live the same day repeatedly, enabling them to create the titular map. <laughs> titular. <laughs> And the next movie we're going to watch next week is a Netflix original just released called Moxie. This released, uh, oh, today I'm recording this on the 3rd. Fed up with the sexist and toxic status quo at her high school, a shy 16-year-old finds inspiration from her mother's rebellious past and anonymously publishes a zine that sparks a school-wide coming-of-age revelation. Directed by Amy Poehler, based upon a novel by Jennifer Matthew, I think is how you say it, and I am excited for this film i've been I've been wanting to watch it since I first saw the trailer. So my future friends, that is the movies that is that is good grammar. <laughs> my future friends, those are the movies for next week. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I can't do this without you. So all twenty of you who listen, thank you very much. But let's close this off with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast, share with your friends, that is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at billiamreviews at gmail.com and please consider supporting the show on patreon you can find a link in the show notes and also on the somewhat nerdy site be sure to check out the other shows in the network somewhat nerdy radio and nerds of the squared circle don't forget to support the friends of the show you've heard their ads tonight please check out my personal blog billiamthenerd.com and then finally my dear friends My dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.